The following is a presentation of Embassy Media and Marshall Davis Ministries. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Financial Friday. We have an awesome Financial Friday for you. I personally am excited about it. I'm Anthony Williams, standing in for Pastor Sean Davis. Um, thank you so much for tuning in, however you're tuning in. This broadcast is brought to you by Chicagoland Christian Center Embassy and Marshall Davis Ministries. Tonight, I have again the pleasure of here with my brother, Pastor Alonzo Hinton. So tonight, we're going to be talking about how to manage credit and use it to your advantage. You better like, share, host, or watch part of our broadcast. Be a blessing to someone else. This is huge. This is deep. This is going to be informative. So take a moment to do that. My brother, welcome this evening. Thank you so much for welcoming me. Welcoming me, uh, Prophet Anthony. As uh, Prophet Anthony said, make sure you click share if you're looking at us right now so this information can get out to many people as possible. We definitely don't want to hoard this information, uh, but we definitely want to share it so people can be set free financially. Uh, that's what we're focusing on here on Financial Fridays to make sure that the people of God not only have spiritual health, but they also have financial health. So that's why we're presenting these topics so you can prosper financially, as the word says in third John two, beloved, I wish above all things. It's a wish. He hoping that you get it. Uh, Paul, that wish above John, I'm sorry, that you wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Brother Anthony, before we got started, did, did anything you wanted to say, anything you wanted to put out there? Um, once again, please like, share, host a watch part of this broadcast. It is absolutely informative. And if not yourself, we all know someone who can be blessed by tips on how to help and manage our credit. So please like, share, host a watch part of our broadcast. Take it away. Let's get started. So as a topic, as you know, managing credit and how to use it to your advantage. Credit is so important. It allows you to access uh, loans and property. Uh, but first, we need to understand the spiritual aspect of it, what God's expectation for us is. And as we said, God's pleasure is for us to prosper, but he wants us to prosper according to his word. So his word says a few things. We're going to go through a few scriptures, Job 36 and 12. If they obey not, they shall perish by the sword and they shall die without knowledge. Proverbs 5, 23. He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly, he will go astray. Proverbs 10, 21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. And then Hosea 4 and 6, a very popular scripture, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou may know that thou shall be no priest to me. So lack of knowledge, as we see in these scriptures, is causing you not to tap into the kingdom of God. Because once again, God has a specific way that he wants us to tap into the world's wealth. He wants to us to operate in bibli biblical principles, and we need to make sure that we understand those principles. We There's no excuse. A lot of people like to use the excuse because I had negative opportunities presented to me. I responded in a negative way. God expects you to be a light in this world. So he expects your principles not to change no matter the circumstances. So you have to understand what those principles are, but actually in the, the kingdom principles are, but you act also have to understand how the world operates. You have to understand what credit is 
and how it can be to your benefit. Mm -hmm. The next scripture we can we flowing through is Luke 16, 10 through 12. And I actually paraphrase it. So you might want to write that down and look at it later on yourself to get the King James version or the new King James version. What I've written down, Luke 16, 10 through 12, once again, paraphrase. You have to learn to manage a little before you will be given the opportunity to manage a lot. If you can't be trusted with the world's riches, how can God trust you with kingdom wealth? If you can't mm -hmm. be faithful with someone else's riches, why do you expect someone to give you something of your own? I'm going to read that one more time. You have to learn to manage a little before you will be given the opportunity to manage a lot. <coughs> Excuse me. If you can't be trusted with the world's riches, how can God trust you with kingdom wealth? If you can't be faithful with someone else's riches, why do you expect someone to give you something of your own? So that's very important when we understand when we talk about the concept of credit and what credit is, because credit is borrowing. We're simply going to institution and saying, hey, I have this thing I want to do. Can you loan me some money? Can you give me some of your money to fund what I need to do? So it goes back to what we were just talking about. If you can't be trusted with the world's riches, how can God trust you with kingdom wealth? If you can't be faithful with somebody else's money, if you can't be faithful with Bank of America's money or Chase's money or Seaway's money, how do you expect somebody to sow into you? So it's a kingdom principle that you have to be responsible with somebody else's before God will bless you with your own. That is a kingdom principle that we have that we have to understand. So what is credit? Credit refers to your borrowing capacity or your ability to borrow capital. And we talked about what capital is a few weeks ago. It's based on your history of paying back. So it's based on your past, paying back your past debts, and it defines how much you are able to borrow cash or access goods and services. Credit is the trust. So they look at your credit and decide if they're gonna trust you or not. They look at your past payment history, which allows one party to provide money or resources to another party, wherein the second party, party who is the lender, does not reimburse, I'm sorry, the second party is the borrower, does not reimburse the first party immediately, but promises either to repay or return these resources at a later date. So once again, you have a large purchase like a home or a car. If you had $500,000 in cash to buy a home, more than likely you wouldn't waste your time going to the bank, right? But because you don't have it, you go to the bank and say, hey, I want to borrow this, right? And then in terms of other resources, they if they check your credit, when you're applying for an apartment, you don't actually give them cash back, but you give them the resources back once you move out the apartment, you return the apartment in this as expected in the same condition as you as you left it. All right. So your credit score can affect more than just ability to get a credit card or a loan. The higher your credit is, the more opportunities it may afford you in life. Having a good credit score is important because we're going to talk about eight dips, eight different things why getting your credit score together is important. A good credit score can help you with a credit card. Good financial management tells you you need a credit card to help with emergency purchases. Sometimes some things come up and we need to do something real quick. We need a credit, may need a credit card to rent a hotel room. You know, they put a uh, hold on your credit card. You may need a credit card to rent a car. So you need access to a credit card. Mm -hmm. Number two, mm -hmm. a good credit cards, a good credit score can help you get more credit. 
as you're faithful and giving your credit, they give you more credit, right? They reduce your interest rates. So it gives you an opportunity to get access to more things, right? Once again, you have to be faithful over little things before you can, you have to learn how to manage little things before you can be faithful over much. So you have to manage, show you can manage $100 before somebody give you 1000 A great credit score can get you better interest rates and terms. So a good credit score gives you a lower APR, which means you pay less over the lifetime of the loan, right? So you save money as opposed to somebody. So it's a huge difference of somebody having a 0% APR on a car versus somebody having 15%. The person with zero percent is going to save a lot of money over the lifetime of that loan. And with that money they save over the lifetime of that loan, they can invest that money in other things. They can save that money. They can buy a house. It's a whole bunch of op other opportunities you can have if you have a lower APR. A good credit score can help you with a better job. According to a 2018 National Association of Professionals background survey, 31 percent of employers check credit on some applicants, while 16% ran credit checks on all applicants. If it's legal in your state for a potential employer to check your credit, you must first grant them permission. So they can't check your credit without your permission. They have you have they have to get permission from you. Uh, a good credit score can help you live in the home or apartment you want. That's self-explanatory. I don't have to go through that, but they will check your credit if you're applying for a loan for a home or if you're trying to rent an, an apartment. All right. A good credit score can help you drive the car you want. So, you know, it, if you don't have a good, I know I'm trying to think of a car dealership. I think it's Lexus. Don't even go in there if you don't have a 700 credit score. Right. Don't even go in there if your credit score is not 700 because they're going to turn you away. So the type of car you have could hinder, could affect your credit. Now, the thing about a car, people give cars away. Right. So you don't have to have a good credit score to get a credit, but get, get a car. But once again, you're going to get a high APR where you're paying more over the lifetime of the loan than someone with good credit. And once again, with that higher APR versus a lower APR, the lower APR frees up more money. Who, do, who doesn't want to free up more money? I know I definitely do. Absolutely. And then number seven. A good credit score could save money on your car insurance. When you go get insurance, they check your credit. Yes, they do. Wow. They not only check your credit for car insurance, uh, for car insurance, they check your credit for life insurance also, right? So your ability to tap into, and so the ability to tap into uh, a good insurance goes along with a good credit score. My wife came by and said, identify what APR is, annual percentage rate, or the rate you pay on whatever loan you have. So if you break it down into uh, a year, you have 12%. You divide that by 12 months. That's what your APR will be on whatever loan you have. Number eight, a good credit score can help you get the partner you want. Wow, that's important. A 2000 bank rate survey found that 42% of Americans said knowing someone's credit score could be a determining factor, <coughs> excuse me, in decide, deciding whether or not to date them. And nearly three times as many women as men considered credit score as a major determining factor. 
Because once again, you have to know what you're getting into financially when you get into a marital union. The number one factor in divorce is what? Finances. So going in, you need to know what are you getting into? Now, if you decide to marry him, that's up to you. But don't go in blind. Have those conversations about credit scores. And then this last point on this point, making consistent. I got it highlighted in yellow, so it must be important. Mm. Making consistent on-time payments to creditors is one of the best ways to help improve your credit score. Even if you make minimum payments, if you consistently make payments on time, your credit score will naturally go up. So we're going to discuss why in a few minutes. We're going to get to that later on. So it's three different types of credits. So understand once again, in talking about credit, you need to understand there's three different types of credits. The three types of credits are installment credit, revolving credit, and open credit. So before I move into those, Brother Anthony, do you have any questions? You know, I do have one. So I know there are a lot of people that are out there listening that are at a point where I may be saying, you know, I made some uh, crazy decisions as I was growing up or earlier years in my life. And I'm in the process of rebuilding my credit. And that's okay. I know mm -hmm. there are two types of credit cards, secured right. and unsecured. What does that mean? And what are the advantages of both? Okay. So a secured card is simply a card that if someone has poor credit, they have to make a deposit and whatever the amount of the deposit is, that mm -hmm. will serve as their credit. Okay. So when I worked at worked at Bank of America, I think you had to put down a minimum of 300 and the maximum you can put down was 10, the maximum deposit you can put down was 10,000. So whatever amount you put down that serve as your credit limit. Eventually, as you show yourself trustworthy, the ability to manage that credit, not a predetermined time, they will say, okay, you manage your credit well, here's your deposit back. Now this is your new credit line that we giving you that belongs to Bank of America, and we still expect you to manage this credit properly. An unsecured line of credit is basically a line that is not secure, that you don't have to put anything down, you just offer the line of credit by the bank immediately, all right? Secure once again, it's your money. If you manage it, if you manage it properly, you get it back. Unsecured basically means you have good credit and they're willing to take a risk on you. All right. So the three types of credit are once again installment credit, revolving credit, and an open credit line. So an installment credit is when you borrow a specific amount of money from a lender and agree to pay off a loan in regular payments over a fixed amount of time. So home mortgages, car loans, and student loans, they fall in the installment credit uh, examples. So a typical car loan, uh, you say you borrow $25,000, you purchase a car, and you agree to pay it off in $500 per month over a period of five years. The $25,000 represents a specific amount, and the $500 is a fixed amount that you'll pay for five years, right? So, but of course you have to remember that they gonna get interest. They're not giving you money for free. They wanna make some money off of it. So it actually be a little more than 500. It'll probably be more of 550, 600, something like that. The second type of credit is revolving credit. If you're granted revolving credit, it means a lender has extended your credit up to a certain amount that you're free to use repeatedly. So installment credit, once it's paid off, it's gone. A revolving credit, you can use it. So, for example, 
you get a, a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, and they give you a $50,000 limit, you can use 5,000 of that. And once you use that 5,000, you have 45,000 in credit for that HELOC. And, but once you pay that 5,000 back, it'll jump back up to that $50,000 original balance. So it's a revolving credit line that remains open as long as you make regular on-time payments of at least the minimum due. So credit cards are the most common type of revolving credit, along with department store and gas cards and home equity lines of credit that allow you to borrow against the value of your home. All right. So I want to talk. One of the things we want to talk about is the ability to take advantage of credit. So the next thing before we go get to the third type of credit, we want to talk about a home equity line of credit, because I think it's so important, because particularly as as African-Americans, we a lot of in a lot of cases we've been denied the opportunity to buy homes and it allowed it kept us from tapping into a potential resource to increase our wealth so it's important that we understand that we need to do things to enhance our credit so we can buy property so we can buy a home so we can use this as a potential wealth resource so home a heloc or home equity line of credit is a revolving credit account similar to a credit card However, it's secured by the value of your home. They work a lot like credit cards. You have to apply. You have to get approved. Then you have a total credit line. The thing about a HELOC is that you can use it for whatever you want. Right. So a lot of people use it to, to do home improvement, uh, home improvement projects, to get a roof, to do something to their lawn, get uh, new windows put on their home. A lot of people do it, use it to send their kids to college. They might fund a venture that that child wants. That child wants to open a business. Mom, dad, I need $20,000 to open this business. Can you lend it to me? That's one way you can use it. And then you can use it to fund your own business. <coughs> and then also because you can do with it what you want, you can actually use a HELOC to invest, right? Mm -hmm. To invest in the stock market, to invest in options, different things like that. So it's one of the most important parts one of the most important tools out there to build wealth. Did you have any questions about HELOCs before we move on? You know, I was just going to say there are so many people, and you may be viewing, that are looking to purchase their first home. Mm -hmm. What advice would you provide for them? I mean, there's so much coming at them. They're confused about the entire process. They're, they're just not sure. Um, many are, are afraid or fearful um, of the home buying process and, and what it may entail uh, in the short and long term. Um, what comfort would you give people in this and advice? Well, number one, it might not take as long as you think it is, think it does to get your credit together. When a few years ago, me and my wife, we went to a, a credit person. I think it was in November and we were talking about buying a home. We, we was dreading going to the person, Anthony, because we knew our credit wasn't in the best position, right? Mm -hmm. So once we went to the person, it was November, whatever year it was, we sat down with the person, the person like, you need to do this, you need to do that. By April, we had a pre-approval letter. So I don't even think that's, is that six months? It might be right at six months. So six right months now. later, we were in approval part, we were in a pre-approval process to buy a home. I think a month later, we made an offer on the house. Uh, it was a, a built from the ground up. So by October, we were in a home. So a year later, less than a year later from that beginning process, we were in a home. So it might not take as long as you want, 
you're going you might have to do some work right and we're going to talk about those things later on but a home at the end of the day is an investment and you have to take care of it properly to to manage your investment or to reap the benefits of your investment and because a home equity line of credit is based on the equity in your home it might take a little time to build up equity if you did like i did and buy a home that's brand new but if a home has already been there it might have equity in it already you know if a whole home has been there built for years it might have equity in it already so there are a lot of opportunities to take advantage of that equity in the home like i said once again do small projects around the house send kids to college use that money to send kids to college and then the last thing that i can think about fund a business for yourself use that capital to fund business for yourself or use capital to fund business a business venture for your child so definitely get rid of the fear and think about the benefits we can think about the negative part and it's nothing like having having your own home even if we go to that part to move away from the whole credit part it's nothing like peace of mind to go in your home and not have to report to a landlord and say can i do this can i have a dog can mm -hmm. i paint you do what you want when you want to do it because you're, it's your property but with that becomes comes responsibilities the things we talked about so what are the benefits of a heloc number one it's the flexibility you decide when and how to use the funds so you can just have it out there waiting if something happens an emergency happens you have it waiting ready for you at any time as long as you make the minimum payments you can manage how you make pay the debt off uh number two lower interest rates in many interest instances helos come with lower interest rates and other types of credit so that's a benefit so once again you'll save money over the lifetime of the loan the interest is tax deductible why i get it back because it's tax deductible what are the disadvantage you have diminished equity in your home the more you use your heloc the lower your equity will be put simply using your heloc means you may owe more on your home maybe even as much as your home is worth so even though you're paying those monthly payments, if you're using that HELOC, it diminishes the equity in your home. Your HELOC is tied to home ownership. If you're default, if you default on the minimum HELOC payments, you could end up losing your home due to foreclosure. And that's true even if your original mortgage is in good standing, right? So once again, a tip, and then the temptation to overspend. HELOC can provide huge amounts, lines of credit, much more, much larger than your credit card limits so you might have the temptation to overspend look a heloc is not to buy you some furniture not to buy you a tv it's something that you want to use to invest in it's not something to buy a pair of shoes once again but it's something you want to get a return on in a long term right that you're just not spending money frivolously and then to go back to the open lines of credit credit type number three is open credit so this type of credit contains elements of both installment and revolving credit with open credit the amount is due usually different it's usually due each billing cycle so the whole amount is due like a credit card they give you a minimum amount payment with open credit the whole amount that you spent that month is due so for instance utility accounts gas electric water those are line those are lines of open credit and then of course as everyone knows if you think about a card american express that's an open line of credit where if once again you spend it all they expected you to pay it back that month it reminds me of the episodes of friends where joey had an american express and he didn't realize that he had to pay it back at the end of the month so 
if you get up the line of credit, definitely understand that you have to pay it back all back. So how different type of credit affect your credit score? What we're going to do break down next month is next next <coughs> is a FICO score. And how it was broken down It's broken down into five different categories. All right. The first one, how they determine your credit score. Payment history. That's the number one thing. And payment history is 35 percent of your score. So it's the largest portion of your score. That's why I mentioned earlier that a history of making consistent on-time payments makes up the largest percentage and it's the easiest way to raise your credit score once again if you pay it on time every single month even minimal payments eventually your credit score will go up because it's because cre creditors see that consistently all right I've all i have one question for you sure so sorry one, what are some things that we should be using our credit card or our credit for you know i know it's so tempting to go shopping or buy things that we need i think one of uh it's very tempting to do those things but what should we be using our credit for it's different type of credit credit cards you have cash back credit cards you have travel reward credit cards so if you got some type of benefit if you have some type of benefit card that's what you need to use it for also I would avoid using it for small purchase, 10, $20 Burger King. It would make sense to pay 20% on a Whopper, right? So those things add up over time. So we need to find a better way to spend that money. Credit cards should be used for emergency purposes or large purchases. Like, uh, you know, earlier we mentioned that it'd be a bad idea to get a HELOC, uh, uh, buy a TV based on a HELOC loan. That would be a good idea to use a credit card. It's a $2,000 TV, a $1,000 TV. You don't have $1,000 cash, but you have a credit card. That would be a good case. And then just pay it off over time. Those are the types of things you can use credit cards for. Once again, not those small purchases, right? Because at $10, $20, two, three, four times a week, that adds up over time. But major purchases uh, like TVs, dishwasher, different things like that, those are the things you want to use it for. Now, I know some credit cards are, it's a requirement, as you mentioned, that you pay the balance off at the end of each month. How about right. other credit cards and credit card companies? Is it wise to pay the balance off each month before interest kicks in? Or do is there a way to kind of work that in our favor? What, what well, would you suggest? We won't get to one of those things later on when we talk okay. about the percentage, the percentage of your credit cards you should be using. But as you mentioned, it would be best even with a credit card once again a charge card is the card that you have to pay off right within 30 days right you have to pay off everything if you charge ten thousand dollars on a charge card you have to pay it off at the end of that month a credit card which you're extending your line of credit you have a credit limit so whatever you spent that month then you have a minimum limit minimum limit they'll say minimum amount payment due right so if you pay that minimum amount payment due, they're okay. But if you don't, so if I go shopping today and I got 30 days before I'm charged the APR or the interest on that credit card, if you go past that 30 days, whatever your credit, whatever you went and purchased, they'll start charging you interest on that. So it would be a great idea if you were disciplined enough not to use your credit, your limit up 
that you just use it for small purchases. Like I tell my children when I and when I was in banking, I would tell people all the time, do something like spend your credit card. And this is a way to build your credit up. I was going to get to this later on. This is a trick to build your credit up. Use your credit card on something that you have to purchase anyway. So you go grocery shopping every month. So you put a budget of cash aside for your uh, for your groceries. Use your credit card right to buy those groceries. And then as soon as you get home, make the payment for your credit card that you would have used the cash, the cash that you use for your uh, groceries on the credit card. That way they'll see you using the credit card and they see you paying it off every month. Right. So you pay. Does that make sense? That makes sense. That's good. That's yeah. really good. So and that's what I tell my kids. That's why I tell my kids to do. That's what I used to tell my customers to do. Just use it for one thing a month. Use it for gas. Have your credit card. Just use it for gas. And then once you pay for that gas with your credit card, once again, as soon as you get home, just transfer it, make the payment off. So you kill two birds with one stone. You use your credit card and you paid it off all in one swoop. And you improving your credit score. And you're showing that you know how to use your credit responsibly. All right. Uh, and then it benefits you even more if you have a special credit card. So, for instance, what they have, a lot of places have cash rewards card, where if you spend money on gas or at certain places, they give you rewards. That's also opportunity for you to gain additional cash where you can either put it in your check-in or savings account and save, or you can add it to your credit card balance to help pay off your credit card balance monthly. All right. So payment history, number one, 35% of your score. Number two, the amounts you owe. That's 30% of your score. So the first two factors, 35% and 30%, if you manage these first two factors well, you'll probably have a good credit score. So this category isn't just concerned with what you owe. It focuses on how much you owe as a percentage of your available credit, also known <coughs> as your credit excuse me, utilization ratio or CUR curve. So your credit utilization ratio is simply the sum of revolving credit balance owed divided by the sum of revolving credit limits. So the, so the sum you owe divided by the revolving credit limits. Okay. So for instance, if I had, uh, if I had one credit card, so if I had one credit card and my limit on that credit card was $1,000 and I used $300 of that $100, I would have $700 left of credit available, right? Uh, $700 left, $700 of credit left. I divide that $700 by that $1,000 and that leaves me with 70% left of my credit or a credit utilization ratio of 30% because I spent $300, right? And generally, credit companies want you to have a curve of 30% or less, or to do a simply just divide the 300 by the 1,000 and you'll get straight to the 30%. So credit companies want you to have a curve of 30% or less. Right. Because as you get closer to that 100 percent credit card, 
companies are looking, credit companies are looking. They saying, why is Alonzo using so much of his credit? Is he going through a financial crisis? Oh, I don't know if we want to lend him any more credit because he's too close to that 100%. So once again, that goes back to the example I use of use your credit cards just for large purchases. Or if you use them, use them for a purchase you know you have to make anyway that you have cash available for and then pay it off right away. All right. So it looks like we have a yeah, it looks like we have a uh, question from a listener. Is it okay to use credit cards for monthly subscriptions that you pay off monthly? If you pay them off monthly and you have to keep mm -hmm. track of them and know when it hits. So remember that's part of your balance. And if you don't pay them off monthly, you know, that's going to raise your uh, credit card balance. So as long as you pay them off monthly, you can use your credit for what you want. But once again, we talk about stewardship. It's your responsibility to figure out how to pay it. Credit cards should supplement your monthly budget, your monthly income. They shouldn't be your monthly income, right? Mm, be, so you shouldn't use credit cards to, you know, you can't, you shouldn't use credit cards to pay off bills monthly. They just to supplement and it, supplement, which means addition to, if you want to add to an emergency comes up and you have a credit card uh, that you can pull out, right? Uh, that's what we talk about utilization rates, right? That we don't want to go over 30% once again. And simply you can divide the amount of credit that you use divided by the limit. So if I use $300 and I got a $1,000 limit, right? Or simply, this is even an easier way. Just take the limit, $1,000, and then just multiply it by 30%. And that'll get you the amount that you shouldn't spend over your credit card every month, right? So 1,000 times 30% is 300, right? So if I want to stay under that 30% utilization rate, don't go over 300. So once again, do it. So, and, I, and I'm being responsible and saying groceries, but you can do, hey, I'm going to buy myself a dress once a month, $300. I'm going to use my credit card and then pay the cash to pay it off right away. That way you're rewarding yourself and it motivates you. You can mm -hmm. even trick yourself to operate that way. All right. So we have to realize that charge cards are not included in calculating this ratio because they don't have a pre present credit limit. All right. So that American Express, that won't be counted in this curve. Just things that have a credit limit, a revolving credit limit. All right. Number three, 15% of your credit history is the length, is the length of your credit uh, history. So 15% of your score is the length of your credit history. Number four, a credit mix is 10% of your score. Your credit mix is where utilizing the three different types of credit, which we talked about already. And those three different types of credit are, let me get that list, uh, installment credit, revolving credit, and open credit. So credit companies want to make sure that you have a mix of those credits, right? Uh, and then number five, new credit. Do you have have you been getting new credit and you still using it responsibly, which is also 10 percent of your score? So once again, as I mentioned, if you do those first two, if you manage those first two, well, the payment history, pay it on time every month. And then the amounts owed. Keep it less than 30 percent. You'll have a pretty good credit score. All right. Did you have any questions before we moved on to our tips? Credit inquiries. Mm -hmm. uh, no. That, that can sometimes hurt people. How much weight do credit inquiries hold on credit cards? And how often would you suggest 
that we're uh, applying for credit cards for even for them to even perform an inquiry? <clears throat> well, it doesn't give me a percentage, but I know from personal experience that I do have credit karma. And one of the things it lists on there is hard credit inquiries in a year. And they don't recommend that you have more than two or three a year. The thing is, when you're going through a process like a home buying process, getting a mortgage, they might hit your credit multiple times within a short amount of period. So credit card companies are reasonable, right? Credit companies are reasonable. So within a 45 day period, if they see credit mortgage credit inquiries, right, they're going to be reasonable and charge that as one inquiry. So we have to keep that in mind. But otherwise, you shouldn't have more than two to three per year. And you have to wait a year for those inquiries to fall off before you apply. Otherwise, it's going to, when you do a credit pool, it's going to affect it negatively anyway. It's going to hit it maybe three, four or five points. My wife is in the background. Say wave or say hi since you put yourself in the picture. So <laughs> <laughs> it costs two to three points, but it does affect it negatively if it's more than two or three done per year. Did you have another question? Thanks for that. Um, when we think about Everybody has it. Majority of America has it. Student loan debt. Mm -hmm. How does that impact our credit? Are there strategies to uh, help balance? Balance that. That's a, a a big thing for America right now. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest? Uh, number one, I would suggest if you have multiple student loans, get them refinanced under one group. So it's easier to manage. It's difficult managing, managing. You went to undergrad, then you got your master's degree, then you got your PhD or your doctorate or your MD. So you might have loans from all, all different type of places. Try to go somewhere and get them under one roof where you have a low interest rate. And then in a time like this, if you have difficulty paying your student loans off, call the credit card, call the uh, student loan company directly and say, hey, you know, I know you guys got to get your money, but right now I'm having a difficult time. I'm not working in my field. I'm only making $15 an hour. I thought I was making $100,000 a year. What can I do to help pay or push this back? And they got different programs. Sometimes they uh, might put you on a deferment payment. Sometimes they have programs where they might totally wipe it out based on your career. So if, if you're a teacher, uh, if you work a certain amount of years in CPS, they'll wipe out your student loans. There are a bunch of different programs that you can get into that can help you pay your student loans. One of the things they do with student loans before you take your loans out, they have you go through a class to make sure you understand the process of taking out the student loan and then what you can need to do if you ever have issues paying your student loan. So you need to pay attention to that. Uh, write that information down. Keep it bookmarked somewhere where you can hold on to it later on. But once again, we need to see our student loans as an investment, not a hindrance. A lot of people decide not to go to school because they don't want to uh, take on that debt. But really, it's an investment and ability to manage your student loans properly will help your credit. So we definitely need to ask those questions. That was a great question you asked. Was that sufficient? Absolutely, it was. And my final question is, I was just sharing with a group on this past week on how employers will pull your credit score. 
Employers mm -hmm. will definitely pull your credit score uh, even after you've worked for them for a while. They'll go back in history and pull your stuff up again. But a lot of people don't know this. So you might be there no. 10 years and then they go and do another background check, a credit check, a criminal background check to make sure everything is on point. So make sure a credit is so important. And we use scriptures to justify that earlier that you need to manage small things before God could trust you to manage kingdom wealth. You have to manage the world system properly before you can manage the kingdom wealth. So don't think just because you got the job that now you okay. I'm a okay now. Nah. Nope. They can go back and say, you know what? Particularly if you like I did, mm. if you like me, Thank and you, you work that. in the financial industry, they say, hey, you're not responsible. You can't even be a financial advisor without a certain level of credit. I knew a guy, he was trying, when I worked for Bank of America, he was trying to work for Merrill Lynch. And he went through the process, passed everything he needed to pass. They checked his credit. It was like, you can't work for Merrill Lynch. We can send you to Bank of America and you can be a personal banker. <coughs> so definitely those things, excuse me, you want to make sure that you take care of. Any other questions? Yeah, we have a question from a listener. What should your debt to income ratio be? I don't have that written down. I wish I would have wrote it down. Uh, can we take that person's information down and get back to them later? Because I want to give them a correct amount. Absolutely. And we know that this is a lot of information that you've been right. listening to this week. So if questions come up during the week about your credit or questions about managing your credit, go ahead and put them in the chat, list them down. We'll be sure to answer them uh, next week before the start of the next broadcast. So we'll make sure we do that for this listener as well tonight. I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know for sure, but I'm thinking it's the same thing as the curve, but I want to be sure. I'm thinking it's 30%. Uh, okay. So I'm thinking it's 30%, but I want to get a correct answer. So let's take that listener's information down and try to reach them later this week. And as you said, uh, if you have questions, you can reach out to us. You can reach out to me directly, message me on Facebook under my personal name, or you can go to my business Facebook page, MISI Financial Literacy, and we'll get back to you as quickly as possible, probably tonight or early tomorrow morning, that I try to answer that question. All right. Any other questions? No other questions. Thank you. All right. So now we're going to get to our tips. We're wrapping it up. All right. So having bad credit is not the end of the world. You got bad credit. OK, you have to learn how to deal with it. It's not the end of the world. A lot of people have bad credit. It's not too late to change. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Right. So. Your credit score, a lot of people, and I dealt with this when I was in banking, you know, they would come in, they would get turned down for credit, and they would just really be upset. But I'm a good person. You know, I'm not a bad person. I try to do the best I can. I just had a hard time. Hey, get over that condemnation. Stuff happens. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. at this point, you got to learn to move on and say, what am I going to do about this? Yes. Your credit score doesn't define you as a person, but it's just an indicator of your financial habits. So all is it all it's indicating is that you have to change your financial habits. So you need to look at your habits. You might need to sit down, talk to me, see if I can help you. Remember this financial intelligence is the basis for growing wealth. So that's why we mm -hmm. have a financial Friday so you can get this information. Once again, 
having bad credit is not the end of the world. It's okay. not too late to change. Find out what's going on. That leads us directly into tip number two. If you don't know your credit score, find out immediately. Hosea 4 and 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If you do not know your credit score, you cannot change it. If you do not know your credit score, you do not know what you need to do. And there's different things you can do once you know your credit score and once you pull your credit and you're entitled to a free copy of your credit reports every 12 months from each of the three nationwide credit bureaus by visiting www.annualcreditreport.com. And Brother Anthony texted me right before we came on and said, because of the COVID situation, you can get a free credit report weekly now. All right. Yes. So when you pull that credit report, your credit score is not going to be on there. So that's something completely different. It's just going to have who you owe and what you and how you can reach that particular person. Your credit score is something completely different. And you want to know that you have to either pay for your credit score at, at annualcreditreport.com or if you have a credit card already, like I have a credit card with Bank of America and part of my services at Bank of America is they update my, my FICO score monthly. So I always know what my FICO score is. You can also do, I know Chase does it if you don't have a credit card. I also know you can do it on go to discover.com and sign up and they'll provide you with your credit without a credit card. So there are different ways. And then I also have, did I mention Credit Karma? Which brother, yes. Anthony, it was brother Anthony introduced me to. You download the Credit Karma app, and they'll give you your credit your credit uh, score. And there, Credit Karma is so awesome; they break your credit credit score down. They give mm -hmm. you opportunity to say, "Hey, because of your credit score, this is probably the best credit card that's best for you." Do you yeah. want to take a loan that's a lower interest rate and pay off all this stuff? It's a bunch of different options that you have out there. Don't sit with your head in the sand and not pay attention to what's going on. It's help out there for you if you want it. And then tip number three, something real strong. Fixing your credit is an act of faith. Yes. Fixing your credit is an act of faith. And we remember faith is the currency of the king. So faith is how you access kingdom wealth for anything in the kingdom. So allow the opportunities for the blessings of the Lord to enter your life by fixing your credit. Jeremiah 29 and 12 says, well, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end. And then Job 36 and 11 says, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Your credit should benefit your life. And God is trying to get wealth to you one of the ways he does that is by you managing, having it flowing through you once you learn how to manage the finances that's already in front of you. That's the best way to get wealth. Once again, financial intelligence is the basis to wealth. All right. That's it for the credit on today. Did you have any questions you wanted to wrap up with, Brother Anthony? You know, I didn't have any questions, but this is such a huge content area for so many people, especially in this time, in this season. I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but 
may be worth hitting it another week, depending on the questions and responses that we get, because I know so many people uh, are in a position where they're looking to manage their credit, rebuild their credit, um, start out their credit. So this has been very, very informative. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So thank you so much. Thank you. I think, I, that's an excellent idea. What I think I'm going to do is that whatever questions I ask this week, we'll start our next Financial Fridays off with answering those questions. I Excellent. think that would be a great idea. So send your questions, either put them in the link or send to me during Messenger on Facebook or send it to me and my company, MISI Financial Literacy. The final thing we're going to talk about is the stock market. It's been a rough week on the stock market. It's been a sell-off on the market uh, led by tech companies. Apple and Amazon share 5% today. Uh, the Dow Jones, S&P 500, and the NASDAQ, they all went down this week, and they were all down for the month of October. Yes. Uh, this week is basically based on different factors, the election coming up, the uncertainty of the election. The coronavirus cases hit an all-time high, so that caused anxiety. There was no stimulus agreement, so they talked about they wanted to reach a stimulus agreement before the election, which not happened, which did not happen. Uh, now they're talking about not meeting Congress, talking about not meeting to November 9th after the election. And what that did, a lot of talk is that it caused those prices were already, the stimulus prices were already built into the stock market. So now it's a correction for those stock prices to drop. And that's what's happening now. Uh, and then France, Germany and France announced new lockdown measures to curb the virus spread. So all those factors caused a lot of panic this week uh i think it went down 900 900 points one day uh the dow jones and then today it went down as much as 500 before ending the day at minus 150. one interesting fact the s p the, the uh let's see the s p market is trading below its july 31st trading dead uh, below its july 31st numbers what does that mean it's something they call the presidential indicator, which is right 88% of the time. Only one time in history has the incumbent won when the market was lower between July 31st and election day. And that was in 1956 with Dwight Eisenhower. So according to the S&P, Biden is going to win the election next week. We'll see. The presidential election, the presidential indicator has been right 88% of the time. Only one time the incumbent won when the market was lower between July 31st and election day. Only one time that happened. So we'll see what happens on Tuesday. And that's all I have. Thank you guys for listening to Financial Fridays. Well, once again, we thank you so much for sharing. This has been an awesome, awesome, awesome. You can catch us here every Friday for Financial Fridays, brought to you by Chicagoland Christian Center Embassy, Marshall Davis Ministries. I'm Anthony Williams, sitting in for Pastor Sean Davis. We thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. And one more thing, don't forget to look at Man of Monday, Sunday, uh, Monday yes. at 7 p.m. It's going to continue to be awesome. It's going to continue awesome. to bless life. Do not miss yes. that gift. Hear the man of God speak into your life and give you wisdom on how to operate during this turbulent season. All right, you guys have a good weekend. Have a great weekend, folks.